skin is a living part of your body and your largest organ. And as skincare experts for over 30 years, Dermalogica's number one focus is on empowering people to achieve their healthiest skin ever. Education is at the heart of everything we do. So our podcast brings advice from top skin health experts directly to you. Join us as we discuss research and skin technologies to help you get real results. Welcome to your skincare journey with Dermalogica. It's time to start living in your healthiest skin. Hello and welcome to the Living Skin Podcast. Hey everyone, it's Beth Bialco here and like I always say, it's a great day to talk skincare and today is going to be exceptional as we are focusing on our Dermatology Spotlight series with Dr. Mary Stevenson, who is a board certified dermatologist in New York City. Dr. Mary is also a dermatologic surgeon who specializes in Mohs micrographic surgery, a treatment for skin cancer, as well as laser and cosmetic procedures. So welcome back to the podcast, Dr. Stevenson. Thanks so much for having me back. It's been too long and I'm really excited to talk about a subject that is near and dear to my heart. Oh, perfect. Well, I know it has been too long. I can't believe it's been well over a year, and I'm so happy that you were able to squeeze us into your busy schedule today. Um, For those of you who don't know, Dr. Mary Stevenson has been on the podcast before. She did an amazing um, episode on skin cancer awareness. So if you haven't listened to that, I suggest you go back in the archives with our Living Skin podcast and give that a good listen. But today, we're going to be talking about winter skin treatments and getting some amazing information from Dr. Mary about lasers. So now, depending on where you are in the world, winter has set in, we, which really means dry skin. Your skin can be irritated, maybe itchy, maybe some redness. So, you know, when we think about winter, we feel like we're mostly bundled up, right, in the winter months and like how much of our skin could actually be exposed. But we have to think about heat in the car, heat in your office, you know, dry heat maybe in your home. So the great thing, though, about winter time is it's also a really great time for more of those active treatments. So I wanted to bring Dr. Mary on the podcast today because it seems like winter is a really good time or a popular time for possibly laser treatments. So, Dr. Mary, what do you think about having laser treatments during the winter, and what are your go-to type of laser treatments during this time? So, you're spot on in thinking that the advantage of seasonality is making the most of the laser treatment in terms of things that we're trying to correct, especially when it comes to things like sun damage, sunspots. You know, in Florida, they use lasers all year round, but in places like where I'm from, New York City, we have the advantage of being a little bit more protected from the sun in certain parts of the year, and I definitely recommend my patients. It's a great time to kind of catch up on rejuvenation. So one of my favorite lasers to do in the winter is Fraxel or a series of Fraxel treatments. There are different types of Fraxel, but most people when they talk about Fraxel are talking about the Fraxel Dual, which has two wavelengths. One is a 1550 nanometer erbium wavelength, and that is really targeting slightly deeper into your skin to stimulate collagen making. This laser is in the 
fractionated laser that makes very tiny microscopic injuries while not damaging the top layer of your skin. And because you're leaving the intervening areas intact, you heal much faster from it. In addition, Fraxel Dual has a 1927 thulium that allows you to target the basal layer of your skin. And this is the place where you get a lot of sun damage in terms of pigmentary issues. So once you've made these little injuries, pigment is almost extruded through them. And the way I think about this laser is you're both being preventive and encouraging collagen and correcting in terms of your pigment. So doing a series of them in the winter is a great idea, especially because in the summer, this laser makes you more sun sensitive. So to kind of get the optimal treatment, you wanna do it when you're not gonna be out in the sun and be really good about your sun protection, which is generally easier for patients in the winter time. Okay, perfect. And I like how you said that this is kind of a, the winter time is like your catch up time from maybe you had a little bit too much fun in the sun or, you know, pigmentation kind of darkened up during the, the summer months. And especially if like you and I living, you know, more here towards the East Coast and actually having a true winter, this is when, like you said, you're less likely to be exposed to you know, a lot of, a lot of sun that way as well. So the Fraxel laser you talked about, and it says like a two, two part, you talked about stimulating collagen and of course, you know, then helping with hyperpigmentation. Sometimes people will hear, they'll talk about lasers and they'll bring up questions like, well, is there, is there one that's better for one type of skin condition over another? that she would recommend? Like, so if someone's wanting to really target pigmentation, what type of laser would you recommend them seeking out or, or have, or talking to their dermatologist about? So that's a really good question. In terms of pigment, it comes in all shapes and sizes. The Fraxel Dual we were just talking about is a very good treatment for diffuse dispigmentation. If you can take a pencil and draw a line around a spot, like a sun spot, you might want to use a combinations of, combination of layer, lasers. So in that case, you might be using Fraxel to kind of clean up what I call the whole field, and then using a different laser that's targeting just the pigment spots. That might be something like a Ruby or an Alex laser. Um, sometimes it's a 1064 wavelength. It really depends on your skin type, your skin tone, and the depth of the pigment you're targeting, which laser you're going to want to use. But generally, when we think about this, it kind of breaks down into lasers that are treating the whole area in terms of cleaning things up, and then lasers that are treating discrete spots. Okay, okay. And is there a difference in those? Um, oftentimes, I get questions about what is like ablative versus non-ablative or invasive versus non-invasive. You know, obviously, when you have any type of skin treatment, there's going to be some type of really, you know, downtime as far as experiencing it for like a day, 24 hours, and then there's some lasers that takes a little bit longer. So could you maybe explain to our listeners the difference between the ablative and non-ablative and, and what it means to have downtime? Great question. So the way I try and break this down is first, let's talk about ablative and non-ablative. So ablative means the laser is removing the top layer of the skin. This makes you more raw, more irritated, and it means you can have a little bit more downtime. Non-ablative is something like the Fraxel Dual, which we were talking about. It does penetrate the skin and makes columns of injury, but it's leaving the top layer of the skin intact, so you heal more quickly. 
fractionated and unfractionated are also terms that we use when we talk about lasers. So fractionated means it's targeting almost like a pixelated grid, if you would imagine, makes tiny little injuries in a very uniform fashion while leaving the intervening skin intact. So the whole surface of the skin or the whole surface below the skin is not being involved. And leaving these intervening ponds of you know, normal skin helps us heal more quickly as well. So generally speaking, when we talk about lasers, we talk about both of these features with them. So Fraxel Dual, so Fraxel Dual is a fractionated, unablative laser. It doesn't have that much downtime. It doesn't look crazy raw and red the next day. Whereas if we were targeting maybe wrinkles around the face, especially around the mouth, you might be doing something more dramatic, like an ablative laser that is not fractionated. And you might be told, I'm going to be red and raw there up to several months but I'm gonna have a really nice result because I was really trying to go for those deeper wrinkles. So you have to think about what you're targeting and mm -hmm. what downtime you're willing to accept or understand that that's gonna be what's going on. We have tended to move towards more preventative skin, which I think is great. And that means often we're doing fractionated treatments, mainly non-ablative. Sometimes we do ablative though, even making a ablative laser fractionated has helped with our downtime significantly. So often our downtimes have been reduced with these newer technologies, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of our, you know, clients and patients out there are like, I want to do as much as possible, but I don't want downtime or I want to do, I want to have all the results, but I need to look good in two days. So I think that's a great explanation how you did that, Dr. Mary really understanding what you're targeting. You're doing, you know, targeting some superficial pigmentation um, is very different than you're, if you're trying to get rid of deeper um, lines, like you said, around the mouth or, you know, maybe across the forehead or around the cheek areas. So depending on what the patient decides to go with after they've had a proper consultation with their dermatologist, what are some key steps that a patient should do to prepare before the treatment? And are there things that you recommend to kind of help maintain the results? Because I think that's a, a big key important part of getting some more of these active, more advanced treatments. We you know whether you're doing, you know, non-ablative or ablative, but there has to be some commitment, right, from the patient to get ready for the treatment and then how to take care of their skin after. So definitely talk to your dermatologist about what they want you to do before you go in for a procedure. And usually you wanna avoid things that are irritating about five days before a laser procedure. So you don't wanna be using too many acids or retinoids right before treatment. Best not to wear makeup while healing for the most part. Mm -hmm. SPF like crazy, so if you're doing something to make sun damage better you obviously want to avoid sun and you want to be gentle with your skin um i really like silicone based healing products there are some incredible serums and salves out there that have non-irritating peptides and growth factors which post laser is the best time to be applying them and we even have some great products that you can apply pre-procedure as well as post-procedure that help prep the skin gently treat it get all the good stuff in there, and then you heal more quickly from your treatment. I think you guys have a barrier repair that's ideal for healing. Yes. Lots of companies have some product of the sort, and I think finding the one you like the most is really good to do. 
because after you've had a laser treatment, you want to be gentle with your skin. You want to treat it so that it's healing. You know, if you were injured, if you sprain your ankle, you're going to treat your ankle well so that it heals well. Same for your skin. If you've caused intentional, very intentional, tiny injuries to promote collagen, to stimulate healing, to get rid of pigment, you really want to make sure you're taking good care of your skin. So most important for that is non-irritating products and also wearing sunscreen. I had I like mineral sunscreens personally. Everyone's a little bit different in their own preferences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's key because I liked how you talked about talk, taking care of your skin, even being more mindful and more gentle before the procedure um, and following your doctor's advice of how to do that. And I just it just makes sense. But sometimes, you know, if you're nervous about getting your laser, you're not sure what to cut back on, you know, ask the questions, be really actively involved and, you know, being aware of how your skin is going to respond and being gentle afterwards, because after you've had a laser treatment, you know, you just can't jump right back into your normal skin treatment. Like you said, you've got to have promote that healing and that hydration and those key components with that. What type of advice do you give to your patients who are maybe brand new to lasers? They've decided that they want to treat their pigmentation pardon me, their pigment, pigmentation with um, a laser treatment, but they haven't had it before. Is there advice that you give to them or guidelines, or do you start them on maybe a different treatment before you have them start a laser treatment? So generally speaking, I agree with you completely. I tell my patients, stop irritating products about five to seven days before a procedure and plan to do the same after the procedure while you're healing. So you want to avoid things with acids, retinoids, exfoliating excessively, scrubbing. You really want to be gentle with yourself. I also tell my patients, let's go slow. I want you to get to know me and I want to get to know you and your skin. We can always do more things. And I think that's always a better position to be in than regretting you did too much. Mm -hmm. I think having you know good expectations about what to expect knowing you can reach someone and then also just reviewing you know i'm the same when i go to the doctor they tell me one thing and i'm like what wait what you know it's so every day in routine for me as a doctor but i have to remind myself like i'm going to tell my patient before the procedure i'm going to review it with them my staff is going to review it with them we might even give them some supplies to go home with in terms of gentle skincare so that they don't have to go to CVS or Dwayne Reed and get new supplies. Mm-hmm. They leave with a gentle cleanser. They leave with a sunscreen. They leave with a little sunscreen they can put in their bag. All of these kinds of things I think are very helpful. And I think you also want to find someone that you really trust. So you want to feel like you trust their vision and what they're going to do for you. Yeah, I think that's so important to have that that trust and that conversation, that communication. I mean, even if you're working with a skin therapist who is partnering with a dermatologist, like making sure that everyone's on the same page and, you know, hearing it more than one time is not a bad thing. So, you know, telling your your clients, your patients to be, you know, using the sunscreen, being gentle, um, is so imperative because sometimes, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And sometimes you may not necessarily hear or heed all the advice coming from, um, you know, the doctor or, or the skin therapist who's assisting you as well. So I love it. That's awesome. What, when we think about, you know, we talked a lot about pigmentation, 
for lasers is very common. Um, aging skin. I know that during the winter, cold weather can also stimulate skin conditions like um, kind of causing more irritation or redness. And for patients who maybe have eczema or rosacea. So if they're trying to maybe do winter skin treatments for their type of skin concerns, what do you recommend for them to kind of maybe look towards or gravitate towards when it comes to services? So I think when we were first chatting about doing a winter skin treatment podcast, you phrased this as three must do, like what are your top three recs? And I yeah. think for me, those are moisturize, be gentle, and don't forget your SPF. But I think when I really think about this, I think there's a fourth one, which is don't forget your hands and feet. Um, in terms of moisturizing, you know, if you're someone that's prone to dry skin, winter is going to dry you out. The air is less humid. It's cold. Then you're in dry heat. You're in both of those conditions going back and forth. So it's not even a consistent condition. So you might want to get a humidifier, lower the thermostat. More heat is not better because it's dry heat. So you want your house to feel comfortable, but you kind of want to put the thermostat as low as possible to feel comfortable shorter showers, water not too hot. And then one thing people do is they dry themselves off like completely before they put moisturizer on. You actually want to pat yourself dry and then apply a cream. I prefer creams over lotions in the in the winter because they are more moisturizing. And you want to lock in the water that you've just patted yourself dry with. Mm -hmm. In terms of being gentle, um, you know, this comes in a lot of ways. If you're prone to rosacea and redness, wind isn't going to help. Dry heat isn't going to help. So winter is the time to think about how you might modify your regimen. Often we say we can add things in the winter, like retinoids are a good thing to add in the winter because we're sun sensitive from them. It's a good time to start them. We have to balance that with being gentle and listening to our skin. So some people are very irritated. You might want to back off your retinoid if it's really harsh wind, it's been really cold, the heat's been turned up really high. And then when things are a little bit better in terms of your skin, go back to your retinoid. In terms of being gentle, you also want to think about fragrance-free cleansers and products, fragrance-free detergents, um, soap only where you need it. So you really only need soap in your armpits, groin area, and feet, unless you are actually covered in dirt. Um, and then don't forget your SPF. That's always important. I think winter is a time we tend to be a little bit lax about this. And winter is when the sun is still out. And especially when you're out, you know, with the snow, that's very bright and reflective, same as water is reflective. Mm -hmm. And then hands and feet. I think people really suffer with dry hands and dry feet. So sleep with Vaseline on your feet and socks. Or don't forget that you're moisturizing your face more. You might need to moisturize your hands more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think people oftentimes forget about the extremities, like you said, like hands and feet. And if you are more prone, to, these are great tips, especially if you are prone to more irritation in your skin or you tend to get eczema or rosacea flare-ups. Like you said, the heat is not helping <laughs> to keep any of that um, definitely at bay. Um, when it comes to treatments for someone who does have more of like the, the rosacea or the redness, are there winter skin treatments that someone could look, look towards to having um, experience? Definitely. So redness from rosacea, probably the best treatment is laser. 
And again, laser makes you sun sensitive. So my favorite time to do whole face treatments, cheek, nose, chin, possibly forehead is during the winter months. Um, often we use a laser that doesn't cause any breakdown to the skin, but it's targeting the blood within blood vessels, which if you're prone to rosacea or redness, you're going to be targeting that redness. And that can make you feel puffy and swollen for a couple of days. And it can also make you sun sensitive using that laser. So winter is a great time to kind of catch up with your redness and then maintain it. Okay. And I like how you said that too, is like, this is a, a great time to catch up to your redness and maintain it. Because I think sometimes when you have these types of skin can, you know, issues like rosacea, you might be thinking, oh my gosh, there's this winter time, my skin's already irritated. There's really nothing I can do except be gentle and soothing and hydrating. But I love that you mentioned lasers for, you know, for someone who does have redness and sensitivity, like they're not left out, right, <laughs> of this type of treatment. And this is a winter time is a great time um, for them to do that. When you think about, um, you know, we've been talking a lot about winter skin treatments. I love the, you know, the, the must do's being gentle, keeping hydrated, still wearing your SPF because again, as you mentioned, snow and asphalt and windows and everything is very reflective. What about as we move into, um, into the spring? Are there other skin treatments that we should consider um, next to lasers that we could should consider thinking about maybe adding into our regimen or booking a treatment with our, our doctor, dermatologist, or skin therapist before the spring comes around? Like maybe certain types of chemical peels or um, like body treatments. What do you think is a, is a good time to, to add these in? Certainly. I think that as you move from winter to spring and you're kind of getting ready for the summer, you could definitely think about doing a series of peels. Peels are one of those areas where you want to make sure your doctor or the aesthetician providing the treatment knows how your skin is. So if you're dry, you want to be going for the peels that are targeting inflammation and making your skin feel very hydrated, where if, you, if you're more oily, you might be targeting acne with your series of peels. There's tons of different regimens that people can add in. Um, you could do a series of microneedling treatments. All of the things that make you more sun sensitive, preferably you're doing in preparation for the summer and then, you know, being the greatest on the beach or wherever your summer takes you with the big brimmed hat, sun protective clothing. In terms of other treatments for targeting things like cellulite or tightening treatments, um, those are you know, things that we can do winter and and spring. Um, generally speaking, things that you can do, you know, that you don't need to, t I always talk to my patients about like the timeline. So if we're mm -hmm. debating like doing a laser and a filler, filler doesn't make you sun sensitive. So we might in the spring decide to do the laser. And then when I see them next, we'll do the filler because then we've made a better kind of decision in terms of their downtime, the sun and maximizing the benefits that they're going to get from everything. Mm -hmm. Right. And not trying to do everything all at once. Like you said, timeline, really kind of pacing it out. And then looking at your own schedule, you know, this is something I talk to a lot of skin therapists about, and maybe you might do in your practice as well, which is like talking to your client about, okay, what are they doing? What do they have coming up? If they are going someplace over the summer, you know, how much sun exposure, vacation time, where are they going? What are they doing? Like 
all these things contribute, right, to, to how you make that plan. Is that something that you take into consideration when you do your timeline for your patients who want to have multiple services? Absolutely. So often for my patients, I'm a less is more kind of girl. I think we should do things slowly and gradually. I really, you know, my best compliment is that someone looks refreshed, not that someone asks them who did your work. Mm. And so in terms of that, I'm always talking with my patients about, you know, what are your plans? Where are you going to be? Where are your trips? When's spring break for you and your kids? Where are you this summer? Are you working in your office? Or are you out somewhere on the beach? So all of those things will change things. And how good are you about your SPF? And there we really want you to be honest because some of my patients, I know they'll say, I'm pretty good, but I'm not great. And some of my patients, I know they'll tell me in the summer, I'm sitting in my office, I'm staring at my computer and I'm still wearing my SPF. So every patient I see, we're making a personalized plan for them. And I often break this down into kind of maintenance mode and getting to where we're happy. So the first time we, we, we might be making a gradual timeline to kind of catch up with sun damage, to catch up with things that have been aging, changing, things that they're not happy with. And then we're going to get to a place where we feel good about ourselves, where we feel like we've really worked on and improved the things that were their concerns when they came to see me. And then we're going to make a timeline for how do we maintain these things. So redness, for example. People who are prone to redness, I wish I'm one of those people. I wish I could cure redness. I'm going to keep making redness, especially if I keep working out, which I'm going to. That's just a personal decision. If I avoided it, I probably wouldn't be as bad. I wouldn't have laser as much. So there are things we're going to know we have to maintain. Same as volume in the face, same as um, keeping up with photo damage. Some of us are really great about staying out of the sun, but even then we might have damage that accumulates or damage from being a child that is still showing itself. So we have to really think about the timeline and kind of catching up with where we want to be and then maintaining it. And it's amazing to me how hard that is, even as a dermatologist who, you know, five days a week I'm in my office, even getting my stuff done by the end of a long day and seeing patients and research and everything else that's going on. It's hard to set all that time aside, but I definitely think it's worth it in the long run to kind of gracefully maintain your youth and be the best version of your age. I love that to like gracefully maintain. <laughs> I'm going to work on that, Dr. Mary. It's like gracefully maintain the essence of your youth and this maintenance mode. I think that's brilliant. I think this is something that there's a great conversation, especially when it comes to talking to patients who want everything done, right? Like they want everything done right now. They want results right now. And it's just taking it. I think I've heard you talk about taking it low and, and taking it kind of slow, right? Gradually going into it. Um, excellent. What if, so thinking about going into treatments, yeah, go ahead. I'll just just add in there that also, you know, low and slow doesn't mean we can't do several things at one treatment. We can optimize time, but always remember that your dermatologist also wants you to have the best outcome. So the way we combine things, we might be able to do one or two things at a visit. We might be able to do three things sometimes, Mm -hmm. but we're thoughtfully putting together a plan of, you know, if we do this and this, you're not going to have too much swelling, so your downtime is still going to be minimal, and you're going to heal really nicely. If I do all of these things at once today, perhaps that's not the best because you're going to be so swollen, it's not going to be a pleasant experience. Right. So our goal for, at least my goal for all of my patients and my colleagues, but I'm sure this is true too, our goal is that you have the best outcome as well. So we, you know, given our many years of training, education, keeping up with all these new technologies, we're able to kind of customize if you tell us, look, I, 
I want to do this. I work with a lot of, you know, busy women, women like myself, working moms. They don't have time to come all these times. So we talk about that. Okay, these are the things we can combine at this treatment. Then I'm going to see you in a couple of weeks. And these are the things we can combine then. So we know what we're doing, what the expected downtime is, so they can organize their schedules. You know, it's, a, it's an open dialogue and an open conversation. But I think the more you tell your dermatologist, the more they can put together the best plan for you. Yes, I could I couldn't I couldn't agree more. That's absolutely perfect. And I think it goes back to what you said about understanding the client's timeline and then also to playing to the strengths of the season that we're in and winter season being here, being able to tap into more of those, you know, active, you know, treatments like you mentioned, lasers or chemical peels or or cellulite treatments. You had said earlier that not only being super busy as a mom and with your practice and seeing patients, but you're also doing a ton of research. Are there any new like skin treatment, like trends or new research that you've come across that you are excited about, or you see kind of really becoming um, much more, maybe more popular um, in the industry? So I do most of my research in high-risk skin cancers, but I do think there are definitely a bunch of beauty trends coming out. We're certainly seeing a spike in products with cannabis or C CBD oil, and I think we're going to see more science behind that. It will be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, personally, I'm really excited about the movement. You know, there's been a movement in clean beauty. I always say I believe in thoughtful beauty. Mm -hmm. So I don't avoid all of these long lists of products and certainly I respect my patients that do but I really think thoughtful beauty is the way forward in terms of reflecting on what is the science behind this and what is it doing for me and you know what are my goals here but I also think greener beauty is coming into fashion which I'm so happy about which is packaging with less plastic the ability to reuse or refill I'm pretty product loyal I know that I have sensitive skin, so this is why I'm so excited we're talking about winter skin, because I remember when I was little having terrible eczema and, you know, my mom coating me in steroid cream and lotion and then putting pajamas over so it stuck to me in my bed. <laughs> but this idea of now you'll be able to have a greener version of the products you use regularly, I think is one that I hope is, be I know it's becoming a trend, but I hope we hold on to it, especially looking at our earth and the environment. Um, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, that's great. Yes, it, it is. There's and it's there's a lot of information out there, and I think even as consumers see them, and and sometimes it, it can be tough between what's you know what is a trend or what's too trendy, you know what's going to stick, what actually has some legs and can really have an impact, you know, in the industry. And it is overwhelming as a patient when you're looking at things like you said, having sensitive skin. Um, you know, what can I use? What could possibly irritate my skin? You know, there's so many different things out there and, and seeing that all. And so I think this has been super helpful because we've been able to really, you know, tap into understanding like things that you can use, like uploading on your serums and your moisturizers, but like thinking about extremities, your hands and your feet and thinking about that wintertime doesn't necessarily mean you have to just completely bundle up and shut down and not do anything amazing for your skin this is actually a great time to do that because you have the most time to be able to have that healing so this has been incredible I, as always talking to you 
I also really think that we're getting better with our technology. So I'm excited that we're learning how to deliver energy more effectively. So a lot of the new lasers deliver energy exactly where we want it and in a faster duration. And mm -hmm. I think you're just going to continue to see new technologies that are less painful, have less downtime, and have improved results. And I also think you're going to see personalized medicine, which I'm very excited for. You know, I always tell my patients, some people swear by a product. And I tell them if they like that product and it's not causing them issues and it's not dangerous, go for it. doesn't mean I'm not going to give you my best recommendations about the things I think would also help you. Mm -hmm. And who knows? Like, there are products I know I love. I know they don't have any science behind them. I know I wouldn't write them down for a patient, but I have a couple of products that just make me feel good, make my skin feel good, make me feel like my eczema is less bad. I'm like anyone else that comes to see me. And that's fine. And also that might be something we eventually discover certain people do better with certain products. Same as diet. Diet and, and skin has been very controversial. There are certain things we know are linked. Can I tell the person who tells me every time I eat tomatoes, I break out, that that's wrong? I can tell them there's no evidence to show me that, but I can't tell them that that's wrong. If that works for them, mm -hmm. go for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you have to trust yourself a little bit too. And I think your point about kind of what's a trend and what there's evidence before, that's exactly what I mean by thoughtful beauty. You need to be thinking about what you know about it, what it does for you, how it makes you feel, and then making your own decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's just, it's really in doing the research and, and then trusting, as you mentioned before, trusting your doctor, your dermatologist, uh, your skin therapist to, to help, you know, kind of you navigate, you know, some of those things, but asking the questions and, and taking the time to, to be aware of what works best for your skin as well. So, well, Dr. Mary, this has been great. I love all of our information. I love our time together. I feel like you and I could talk for like another like 10 hours about everything. Maybe a week. Maybe a week. We probably need to have like a week, like a daily podcast. We can say thoughts from Beth and Dr. Mary about what's happening in the industry. And because we do see a lot of blurred lines now between you know, at skincare and dermatology and, you know, everyone is really what I'm excited about is seeing everyone who's in the industry really kind of banding together to bring the client, the patient, their healthiest skin ever, like working together in a collaboration from science meets medical, you know, more medical types of treatments meets you know how to properly double cleanse your skin so thank you for being a partner with me today and and sharing thank your you best so advice. much I, and appreciate I, it. I couldn't agree more i think this trend towards natural skin instead of you know made up or done skin is so great and i am so glad that industry and doctors are working together to try and give everyone the best chance of being just glowing and feeling good about themselves too yeah absolutely Okay, well, we cannot wait, of course, to have you back. I know just to give you guys a, like a sneak preview, Dr. Mary and I have talked about having her back on and doing some great things to get your skin ready for summertime, um, including SPF, and we'll have some great discussions around that. So stay tuned for our next podcast together. And as always, Dr. Mary, thank you so much for taking the time. Really has been fantastic having you on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Beth. I can't wait to chat soon.
Thank you for listening to Living Skin. And don't forget to rate and subscribe to this podcast. If you have any topics you'd like for us to feature, send an email to livingskinpod at dermalogica.com. And until next time, cheers to living in your healthiest skin.